<clears throat> Hello, folks. Welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. We're coming at you live from the Fundamentalist Studios here in Los Angeles, California. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with Peter Rollins. This is an episode particularly about fantasy, but before we get started, you should know that this is one of the very few episodes we've done for the Fundamentalists that have been before 3 p.m. In fact, it's, so, it's, so, it's even before noon, guys. It's, it's about not even 9 o'clock. So this is a morning uh, episode in which... Typically, because of that, Pete now will be on his best form. Yeah. He's going to be so uh, in, in, welcoming and so excited about the topic at hand. And I'm going to be speaking at an octave that's a little <laughs> lower than what it should be. I was impressed, Mike, because when you said the morning, I actually had I had a meeting planned for 7 a.m. in the UK. And then you texted and went, no morning. I'm, I'm like literally coming over soon. So I, I pushed that to the next really? day. Really? Well, thank I, you. I never expected... I it's think morning yeah. to you is like 10 o'clock. Morning to me, I get up at 5. You know? I know, yeah. I know. We d- I sh- I, as soon as I said morning and you were down for it, I was like, he might have a different definition of what oh, morning is. Th- I've got a different definition of your definition of what morning is. Yeah, I was thinking your definition of morning is like 10 or 11. Yeah. But I was okay, so Okay, so this is okay. So this is great. This is okay. me at my bed. I love the mornings. Like- I, uh, <laughs> as I was leaving, Grace was like, are you okay? Because <laughs> we have to get, we're going to, for my birthday, we're doing some, a little Palm Springs uh, work, basically, but. And happy birthday officially in front you. of people. Thanks. I've obviously privately said happy birthday to you, but. Uh, yes. You know, it doesn't count unless it's public. That's very yeah. true. Uh, you need to do the Instagram story too, mm. so you've done everything that is uh, is necessary, but yeah. Oh, in uh, fact, and, and I only did the public thing there. I, did, I didn't actually wish you a happy birthday privately. Yeah. We were t- we were talking about your homework. That was it That's instead. right, yeah. I was oh, like, oh, oh, God, you won't work. I don't like it. And then, yeah, you were, then you, you gave a, a rebuttal to my homework, and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it today. I shouldn't have. I opened the can I of worms. I shouldn't have sent that quote. I knew he was going to have something to say about it. I knew he was going to have a point. To, that's a good point, but I'm sure I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. But uh, it was all very fun, and now I'm 34 years old, so uh, I'm... Uh, I'm old. I'm older now. Yeah, you've beat Jesus. I beat Jesus. Yeah, yeah nice one. We not, none of us expected that. Yeah, it's I the mean, one thing you've beaten them on. Thirty-four <laughs> does feel older. Yeah, it is. Thirty-four is uh, is definitely feels. I was like, oh, this is kind of like mid mid thirties. Like I did have a moment on my birthday where I was like, this is. I'm thirty-four now, and I had to like say it in my head to like make it cement because. I think a lot of it too is just being in quarantine and being in isolation where just every day does feel like the same. So when it's my birthday, I'm like, wait, this different now. And then I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. By thirties, I love my thirties, man. I really did. So thirties yeah. are good. I'm having a good run so far, but. And by the way, see that just wanted to remind myself the toilet thing is about flushing. Dude, you're right. And you it's know. gotten so much bluer. Yeah. You've just got to have a toilet that's only for you know, certain, like you don't use very often for urination purposes. Have you got a couple of bathrooms? Yeah, I got a couple of bathrooms. So you have a bathroom that's kind of like you don't use very often and then it'll be very blue water You're when right. you flush. But anyway, just wanted it's to give gotten so blue yeah. and I think it's, it's taken some time to fully, and even the one that doesn't have two tablets in it, mm-hmm. still it's very still, blue. still very blue. Okay. So yeah. it's coming around. Okay. That's and I'm sorry that I gave you such a hard time about it and, and was so, 
uh, gripey about it. That yeah, was not yeah. fair to you, and I'm sorry. I accept the apology, sir. Let's move on from it. I Never know. We just put it behind us. My goodness. It's just so tough to talk about. <laughs> uh, so fantasy. Yes. He, what are we, what is this about? What is this? Uh, yeah. So I, I was thinking of, right, fantasy is so key to all of our lives. We fantasize. We have sexual fantasies. We have daydreams. We have weird fantasies that we're not even in control of, that we fantasize someone's outside the door whenever you know, we kind of knew there probably isn't somebody there. So fantasy is, it's like, it's such a central part of our lives about being human, but it's kind of hard initially to work out what is fantasy? What is its purpose? What does it do? Why do we fantasize? So I thought we could talk a little bit about that. I love that. I would love to know why we fantasize. I mean, I assume it's because it's such a fun thing to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that. And that kind of gets us to the nub of the issue is because you know, it seems like fantasy is only connected to creatures of language. It's only connected, as far as we know, to kind of then um, speaking subjects. Uh, so one of the ideas, Laplanche, a French psychoanalyst, wrote this very good piece called Fantasy and Sexual Origin, something like that, but basically argues that what fantasy does is it, it's, it's not directly enjoyable. It allows us to enjoy our enjoyment so we have objects that we desire fantasy is a narrative that allows us to desire our desire it, it, it makes certain objects desirable the purpose of it is to kind of like make some objects in our lives sparkle so for example I'll give you an example um, if someone is fantasizing about making it in LA right and say they're a famous actor and they've lots of money and they've They've got so they've got the object of their desire, but mm-hmm. they no longer desire. It. They've got it. They're just bored. What they will do then is maybe they'll fantasize about, oh my goodness, I wonder if I'll get my next job. I wonder if my ideology is in line with Hollywood. I wonder if I'm I'm a has been, mm-hmm. right? So they start to fantasize um, all these things that could go wrong, negative things, negative things. But that fantasy then allows them to enjoy what they have, so they can actually. So the fantasy makes the object desirable again through the threat of it going away or if if a couple are completely bored of each other then sometimes jealousy can make the person desirable again so you you have a fantasy that makes an object renders it desirable Mm -hmm. um gives us a kind of positioning in relation to it i was thinking about how uh like the whole making uh playlists for people when, um, which I just still love to do, I think it's one of the most fun things, but you make a, especially in like high school and college, you'll make a playlist of music and you'll yeah. send it to somebody like, here's a great playlist to listen to. But then what you inevitably do, at least what I would inevitably do is I will then, after I've made the playlist and sent it, I myself will listen to the playlist to get a feel for the playlist. And it's like, I get to re-listen to the music and experience it through the eyes of the person that I sent the playlist to, mm-hmm. which allows me then to actually experience the music, even though I've all heard, I've heard all of it before in a new way. And it's like, I'm engaging in a little bit of like weird, subtle role play that yeah. just for the purpose of getting to relive the music a little bit. That's very good because what we tend to think is that we make a playlist because we desire somebody, but we don't fully consciously understand that it's the making of the playlist that increases our desire for the person. Hence, the person who listens to the playlist most 
nine times out of ten is the person who makes it, mm-hmm. not the per- just like a love letter. The person who reads the love letter most is the person who wrote it, not the person who gets it. In fact, so much so that a lot of people write love letters and don't even send them yeah. because the purpose of the love letter is a type of fantasy that generates desire. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a good thing. With the, the, I never think of that in terms of those playlists, but but often we we engage in those types of fantasy rituals precisely to render the object of our desire desirable or more desirable. Yeah, yeah. It's like getting a little VR, putting on a little VR headset for a second, and being mm. somebody new and getting to experience. But at the end of the day, it's just the same music you've been listening to nonstop. It's very fun. <laughs> I mean, and the other thing is, then you can. And this, this is weird, but we've probably all experienced it. You can desire somebody, but if the fantasy that sustains the desire is ruptured in some way, and it could even be a simple thing like they, is there a Billy Jewel song about he fancied, oh, there was a song I was listening to and it was about how he fancied this woman until she cut her hair and then he no longer fancied her. So the, the, the hairstyle was phantasmic. And as soon as it changed, mm. the desire just went. And at the sea, and it can also turn on again. Someone you break up with that you don't desire at all, and you're moving on. As soon as something happens, uh, your desire is reinvoked. So yeah. some some fantasy is enacted that makes them desirable again. So fantasy doesn't give you what you desire; it makes certain objects desirable. And Hollywood movies are a type of fantasy. Well, so, or I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, and like because often you'll get. You'll get sometimes some movies, you'll get a couple at the beginning and they're not happy. And then they go through a whole series of things. And at the end, they're where they were at the beginning, but now they are happy. Now they're, they desire each other. And so in a way, all of the stuff that had to happen through the movie was a phantasmic structure that would enable them to desire what they already had. So they already had what was desirable. They were in a couple. I think maybe... Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith might have that structure, but you've got a couple, but they're bored, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. They, through fantasy, just return to where they were, but now they desire where they were. I like that. There's, um, it also just, and I hate to bring up this subject because it is such a, it's so talked about, but the idea of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, I do think that there are, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of this for sure, but yeah, you've cancelled a lot of it. You get online a lot. I get right the left and right. And yeah. I cancel here. I'm going. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> um, but it does seem like a lot of people are uh, so obsessed with the idea of be can- being cancelled that they that there is a fantasy that oh, yeah. allows them to believe that 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 this industrial Hollywood complex is like out to get them, at, which alleviates their uh, need to be more productive and more that's more out good, there yeah. but i don't think that's everybody i think mostly yep. if anything it's me putting myself in that person's uh <laughs> that imaginary fantasy is i'm just speaking through fantasy my own anxieties oh yeah no that's very true cause, welcome to the fundamentalist <laughs> yeah cause, yeah because <clears throat> i think that's very insightful because there's two things can happen there's, there's reality can happen and there's your libidinal fantasy so yeah if, if you hear a stranger at the door and you think there's a murderer, that's completely rational if it's late at night and you're on your own and there's some weird signs. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not necessarily fantasy. Fantasy is if there's a creek and you Im- immediately go there. Right? That's, fa- that's a type of fantasy. So in the same way, and, but the problem is they interconnect. 
So what happens is often our fantasies look for real things to latch onto, like um, the what like the what are those things that latch onto ships? Barnacle. Barnacle. Like a barnacle, your your fantasy is looking for some reality. So maybe you end up you're always looking to go out with somebody who's unfaithful because that's your fantasy and your and so you want but you want it to relate to mm-hmm. something in reality. So sometimes people uh, fantasize about some problem in their life or some danger like maybe being cancelled that is a real danger maybe in their line of work so they can always say oh it's a real danger yeah but it's it not has to a, say it's not a real thing yeah it but just, it might have a phantasmic dimension to it for some people yeah you like to say that phrase hitching a ride it'll yeah. hitch a ride That's on it. your yeah. yeah i love that that's very fun mm. um aren't we all kind of just living in a constant state of fantasy all the time like isn't it if you break everything down isn't it a little bit like there's always a little bit of a layer between yeah. the the what we're saying and what the reality is very true except and the, the the exception or the closest to the exception are people who don't desire at all so people who are depressed or melancholic so depression and melancholy in different ways are when someone no longer desires and actually that's why a lot of people go to psychoanalysis is it's not because they haven't got what they desire it's because they can no longer desire yeah there's a failure in their fantasy and so nothing is desirable the world is pretty much gray they can't they they don't want to get out of bed they don't want to eat they don't like and so that's really a a fundamental failure at the level of fantasy Mm -hmm. yeah but even then you're right there's always as as creatures of language there's always some level of desire going on um, beneath that what do you think uh, do you when you say when you think fantasy <clears throat> is there a connection between the the truly like the fantasy genre and like uh-huh. this level of thinking like is it is there a desire to do people enjoy Lord of the Rings because it's so fantastical that they can completely get lost in it that's a good question like, I think I don't think so yeah my guess is no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reason why it works is because there's something in Lord of the Rings that touches on our desiring structure. So there's something in it that kind of like connects. Um, and that's interesting. Like the difference between a mythology that doesn't work and one that captures the imagination of millions is there's some truth to the to the mm-hmm. way that we desire in it. So Lord of the Rings is like hit on something because it's, it's yeah. so real. True myth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whereas... Uh, because I was one of them, I think it was my la- my first semester of courses, but there was somebody talking about, excuse me, some paper on the Marvel um, franchise and how that sort of like, like and it was very cynical. It was a paper written probably in like the early 2000s, but it was basically talking about the way that it's actually those those myths those they're actually stripped of uh the any kind of mythological functioning and that they're actually like just hollywood um like really low common denominator <laughs> like uh yeah. things whereas like because you people hear about these things and they see the marvel characters and it's thor or they see uh you know the the more dc stuff and they think that it's somehow based in any of that old stuff but really it's just like comic book stories that have been had different costumes slapped on them yeah which means it's instantly forgettable i watched a movie last night i'm really embarrassed about the movie i watched are you do you want to talk about it yeah i'll mention it i'm embarrassed about it but i i wanted to stay up later because i'm 
because there's nothing to do, I end up <laughs> going to bed earlier and earlier. You know this is a problem that I'm facing at the moment. And you can't go to bed at six o'clock. Like, you can't. No, you can't. I know it's the age of COVID, but I'm like, right, I'm going to stay up late. So I, I, so Dude, I wa- I'm doing the same thing because yeah. we just put a TV in the bedroom, which we haven't had. And the Muppet show, the old Muppet show is uh, now on Disney+. Plus. And, <clears throat> excuse me, every day it's the same thing where we're like, well... Eight o'clock. <laughs> Should we just go start watching the Muppet Show in bed and kind of fall asleep by nine? And it's just inching further. Inching, further. I know. It's inching. This is COVID life, man. It's crazy. Now getting up early, doing a podcast. Yeah. Oh God. I know. <laughs> You've become everything you stood against. Everything I stood against. Um, well, well, but what's your what was so the, the movie? Movie was I can't even remember the name. Monster Hunter. Hunter Monster, okay. Monster Hunter, like Mila Josevich, who um, oh yeah, uh, who I like a lot. She's brilliant. I love Fifth Element. Fifth Element's an incredible yeah. movie she's in. But um, it's this interesting because I was watching it and it's instantly forgettable. It's like it's it's even forgettable as you're watching it. But it's visually kind of like crazy. Yeah. So you're getting something out of it, like drinking a cup of coffee. You get something out of it, but it doesn't stick with you like a great mythology where it somehow speaks in such a solid way that it in, infects your dreams and it, all of that. And that's the difference, I think, is like when you're talking about fantasy, there's things we desire in everyday life, but that's not what we're talking about. It's about when philosophy, what's called um, the unconditional imperative or the ultimate concern is like, it's something it's that you're thing. willing to live and die for. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that kind of like is, is beyond just utilitarianism, right? So animals are utilitarian, but it's this, it's this beyond of utilitarianism, what Freud called the beyond of the pleasure principle, which utilitarians, I don't think, have an adequate answer for at all or evolution, evolutionary psychologists. So this beyond of the pleasure principle is fantasy. It's when something is infused with such value that you would be willing to you know, damage yourself mm-hmm. in order to get. That's that's the phantasmic. I don't know. How, I, mean, yeah. I gotta get one of those. You know, yeah. <laughs> I really gotta figure it out. I gotta figure. I gotta find one of those uh, ultimate imperatives or whatever. Yeah, or unconditional that, yeah. imperative. Because that's that's what the pressure is. And I I was there. Uh, yeah, I remember in my thirties. Some of my I said thirties were such a good time, but there was a part of my thirties where I was definitely my desire just mm-hmm. stopped up for a period of time. And I remember it was like, yeah, there was, you still do the daily things. You'd still watch something like Monster Hunter. You'd still maybe even go out with a friend and have a drink. You still, but you're literally functioning at this very mechanical, animalistic level. Mm -hmm. Nothing is animating you to the point that you would go, I would live and die for that. And uh, that's a very um, crap place to be. I worry that we're headed into that on a more collective level. Mm -hmm. Like on a social level, but that's not neither here nor there. I guess it's just uh, with everything with COVID, and I'm seeing the way everyone's just sort of locked away, and I've I've freaked out at times and gotten myself gotten my bearings a little bit, and then I've gone to school just to have something to do and something yeah. to get excited about. But um, yeah, it takes a little bit of uh, yeah, really like grinding the gears a little bit. Then yeah. you get in bed by eight or six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
or five. I don't know how dark it's gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say, you know. Have you ever seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No, no. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch a movie with that title. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. too scary. That's too scary. I Although know exactly did, what's you, in that. You did movie. the Alien. Have you done the Aliens? Cause I need to do Aliens. I will do Aliens. Yeah, Aliens is great. I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast, but you were away for a weekend. You guys watched Alien. That's the first time either of you had seen it. Yes. Which is such a good movie. But Love you watched it. it on a crap little screen, didn't yes, you? Yes, but still good. Still good? Yes. Yeah, it's a great movie. But Aliens, oh man. Oh. You can't not enjoy it if you're watching it inside a UFO. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. But it was definitely crappy sound and kind of hard to hear them at times. But um, I'm really excited to watch Aliens. We did watch recently, um, I turned on You've Got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. First movie 90s. I ever walked out of. Okay, good. It's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really shit. We, we like, I was like, is this movie bad? Like, this movie's bad, I think, maybe on every uh, oh, no, level. No, no. I know that is really shit. You think it's Sleepless it, in Seattle? It reminded me of Sleepless in Seattle, thing. which is the first movie that I walked out of. Yes, yeah. Even though I think... I, I don't think I've seen You've Got Mail. Well, bleh, don't do it. But uh, we were watching... We made it through over two nights for some reason. I don't want, know why we committed to Persevered. it. Persevered. But um, we couldn't do a whole movie in one night. It was probably 8 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Exhausted. Yeah. Um, but uh, that movie is about two people who immediately, they're emotionally cheating on their partners. And they don't establish why or they don't give a reason for the cheating. They don't give a reason for any kind of like problem in the relationship. You just open up on these people who are fantasizing about the other person writing these emails and they're writing in this just really like dumb blah. It's like sicky yeah. sweet blah 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 blah. I'm so is, is that up. the fantasy for them? That they require this kind of uh, emotional adultery or whatever in order to sustain any level of desire for each other? <laughs> no, I don't think it's that deep. I okay. think that they're just falling in love with a pen pal and uh, and then they're finding out later that the people that they're talking to respectively one is the owner of a tiny little bookstore and in new york called the shop around the corner and then he is the head his name is joe fox and he's the head of fox books which is like the uh you know barnes and noble of the 90s in this movie that it's the big bad corporation that's wiping out all the tiny bookstores and they find out that, oh my God, later he realizes she's the girl. She's the pen pal that he's falling in love with over the, the email. And uh, so he starts messing with her. So he comes off kind of like an asshole. They both come off like rich people who have no context. At one point they start berating like a cashier and like holding up a line. And it's like really cringy to watch and very like, it's just tough to see but then he's a terrible person and he starts getting mean to her and then she judges him because he's a big bad corporate guy and then they end up falling in love and it's garbage very good it is funny i've seen some of these romantic comedies that made in hollywood where you have someone who's poor and maybe someone who's rich the funny thing is they're all rich. They're all rich. They're, so they're the poor person who owns like the small place lives in some really nice apartment in yeah. a swanky place that would cost like in, in New York that would cost millions. Um, so there's the, the this economic element is weirdly stripped out of these comedies yeah. that actually also simultaneously rely on wealth disparity. It's very strange. Yeah. The um, yeah, the, it's like Friends. Friends mm. is another one where oh, yeah, their apartments yeah. are huge, and everyone's always like, "That's not." 
they can afford everything they need and want and clothes yeah. and yeah they have coffee every day even yeah. though uh, joey's an actor and struggling to be successful and then later he becomes like mildly very successful they don't really talk about it so he can keep his character be the same but anyway yeah yeah anyway yeah the uh the email thing was so because i was like oh god and it's like so old now it's like so cringy to hear people talking through email and being like at no point are they discussing the fact that this could be a predator or that this could be you know anything other than um someone who isn't good looking so it's uh, it's bonkers terrible movie uh, well, well, I will skip that. Well, Invasion yeah, of the Body don't... Snatchers, then. The reason why I was thinking of that one is because it, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, man. And it's old, so it's not scary. But it's um, it's basically, you know, I'm not going to give much away because it's very old. Um, these aliens are basically taking over human bodies mm-hmm. or kind of they're spawning a body that's identical. But the weird thing is they just continue to do work, just like the person so they go to work every day yeah, they, they do it so basically invasion of the body snatchers is almost like what the world would look like without fantasy where this where everything continues to function without any spark without any fundamental desire and so it's a great look at what's you know this critique of society of a mechanized society that potentially becomes one-dimensional um and where we're all just doing our work and going home and consuming and and not infused with some sort of ultimate concern. Yeah. Oh. Which then blows up in very unhealthy ways occasionally. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's yeah. a great that's a great uh, plot and a great mm. analysis of that film. Oh. It sounds like. Um yeah, I worry that right now we're we're not even excited or people tend to not be excited even about their I mean, I guess this is the definition of being depressed, but it's like the anxiety and the depression, depression and anxiety themselves have almost become like tropes now. And like, they're so commonplace that it seems like they've lost their power a little bit, but not in like a healthy way. Like, it seems like it's so we've become a little muted, uh, right now. And I think that that's scary because I can understand. I feel like if someone's depressed and going through a tough time, uh, you, if you were to hear your friend is depressed, you would want to like do everything you could to wake them up, make to get them back into living some kind of fantasy, some kind of yeah. uh, like sustainable thing that they can live through um, to help them along their way. But when it's ourselves, we don't care at all. Uh, and it's like seems like everyone right now is just sort of like, oh yeah, whatever. And then you see memes about it, and you see all these things where it's like, no, this this is this is actually seems like a problem that we should be addressing if we as a, on a societal level. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, with the very fact that we can't go out as much, we're interacting a lot online. Uh, we're we're not experiencing the toxicity of others in a healthy way. We're kind of like very in our own muted environments to the extent that we may even some of us become a little bit more socially awkward like here's the thing i i used to if i if a dog someone has a dog and they're a cute dog you'll pet the dog Mm -hmm. obviously don't do that anymore people are worried about so even when i'm walking around la and in the past i might have seen a dog would run up to me and i would pet the dog so it's a really cute dog and you chat you don't do that anymore um, and dude, last time I was coming into your apartment, uh, there was a corgi 
I love oh, corgis. Oh, that's and your weakness. That's your kryptonite. 100%. I saw yeah. one, another one, a different one this morning. Uh-huh. But last week it was a tricolor. Love the tricolor ones. And its little back legs were in one of those wheelchairs. Oh, God. This is your right. This is your fantasy. You even actually break dogs' legs just to I do it. Those, <laughs> Yeah, which you is watch out. Yeah. Well, corgi legs are easy. They're still nubbies. <clears throat> um, one good step and they're gone. But uh, Yeah, I've seen that corgi. Yeah, that's in this yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I audibly <laughs> was like, oh. And I took a video of it. I took a video, like a little creep, uh, and I did. I tried not to film the person, but I 100% tried to film the dog because that's the closest I could get was yeah. just to keep them in my phone as part of my digital collection. Like, creepy <laughs> that's <I> very <laughs> creepy. That's <laughs> like, but I'm not going to walk up to the dog and be like, you know, but I did try. I will walk by the dog and make noises in a way that I hope they notice. Yes. Like, I'll be like, oh. Oh, and if I, that doesn't work then. Yeah. But anyway, well, yeah, that's, that's it. So th- this is you playing into what you're, you're concerned about in a way. Like I've seen this with a few of my friends and myself is like, there's not this kind of rubbing up against things that can kind of, cause the whole point of fantasy, which we haven't got to yet is, but we've talked about another podcast is there's an element of fantasy that has to be to do with lack. That's why Hollywood movies, again, they always start with some sort of loss mm-hmm. or there's some sort of thing to overcome. The overcoming makes the thing desirable, all of that. And so there has to be some, you know, some obstacles and some difficulties and some, whenever you're not around people and engaging with people and life really does become, I just have to make my money. You know, people are, their offices are in their homes, so Mm -hmm. they're not even having lunch with other people. The fear is your fantasy, your desire isn't being sparked as much. And yeah. People are just, and then people are having more vivid dreams as a result because your lives are more gray. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this is connected to another concern, a concern that I have. I think we're in the midst of this kind of religious revival, which is religions have always been connected with purity culture. So religions, popular religions have always been about what is clean and what is dirty. And, and it's literally actually civilization is about how to deal with excrement, right? Waste. From the very beginning of civilization, it starts when people go, that is dirty. I want to get rid of it. Poo gross, bad. Yeah, exactly. And then religion, popular religions, folk religions have always been connected with literal and symbolic dirt. Who is clean? Who is unclean? How do we manage that? And we're living in a massive purity culture at the moment where people are seeing the dirt within other people or within themselves and all these purifying rituals for how to be clean, how to find cleanliness, um, secular religions. And I think it's partly connected to this is the, the idea that we're all cleanliness and dirtiness are interconnected, that there's something about this, this, this lack of being able to tolerate toxicity within ourselves and others actually kind of like generates a more and more divisive and violent society. So I think there is a connection to make between <clears throat> what we're saying about people <coughs> being more isolated and also this ra- dramatic rise in purity cultures that we're seeing. Um, yeah. I'm just glad we got it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> and that we're yeah. good and pure. Absolutely. And they're the dirty ones. And they're the dirty ones. I had to make myself put away three-day-old carrot cake last night because yeah. I was like what am I doing I'm like I'm just eating when I was just thinking about this I was like eating pure garbage oh yeah and uh, like like really should have been in the trash like not good like yeah old cake yeah. I ate old cake from Boston Market uh, I don't know why and I was like eating it and I was like I'm just 
it's like I'm there's like a compensating thing where I'm like, am I just destroyed? Is it me? Am I the problem? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I, I mean, I, the, the the divisiveness right now is out of this world. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed, right? This is a thing for me, not isn't it coming from outside of the US, but, but I don't think it's so across the US. I think it's a very LA phenomenon is there's, all of these, what do they call them, detoxifying diets or something. You buy like lots of smoothies to cleanse your body mm-hmm. as if and to get rid of the toxins that are in your body, which is kind of like, it's like whenever, remember those adverts that talk about deep clean, whenever you wash a shirt mm-hmm. and it's deep clean, nobody thought that fabric was deep until those adverts came out because and you know they would have these like shots of really yeah. close in so you would see the depth of that fabric that fabric would be so deep and the water and the the, the soap yeah. would be deep that's creating soap breaks apart breaks apart so but the, you know as i say like or the dirt breaks apart the dirt breaks apart because it gets right in there and going like that's creating a problem that never existed <laughs> in the same way detoxifying your body is like i don't think there's any science behind this but i've noticed that there's all of these diets that are again, and I think, again, this is my example of hitching a ride, that if purity culture is, there's a religious revival, secular religious revival, purity cultures are kind of in the, in the rise, then you're going to see it not just symbolically, you're going to see it literally. You're going to see more and more people think that they've got toxicity in their bodies that they have to get rid of. They have to spend a huge amount of money mm-hmm. to do a month of, of, of these weird juice drinks to get rid of this this dirt that's within them. I think there's an interconnection there as well. Um, yeah, it's got to be some kind of <clears throat> psychological thing, right? Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like what you see physically in the world does usually, not always, but often connects with our libidinal investment. So sub, if you look at someone who's obsessed with getting rid of the toxins in their body, often, not always, they um, they have some idea symbolically of toxins, of dirt that's within yeah. them, of something they, they haven't been able to speak. So, yeah, the, I think we're in the rise of purity culture, and it's very dangerous. Um, I, James Joyce had a beautiful word, chaosmos, and chaosmos is a, a bringing together of chaos and cosmos, and the idea that chaos is within the cosmos. And so I think chaosmos is a great word for... Um, a type of uh, what we need more of. Yeah. You know, we have to realize there's a chaos within life and within our being, and that's actually what makes it good. And that's what fantasy is. So there's a term, yeah, there's a term called traversing the fantasy, Lacan uses. And to traverse the fantasy means to realize that part of what makes things desirable is the struggle and the impossibility and the obstacles and the antagonisms and that if you, if basically ideology is the attempt to overcome the antagonisms to get the fantasy object. And that to traverse the fantasy means that you embrace the difficulties as well as what you desire, that you somehow enmesh them into each other, that you enjoy the not having, you enjoy the chaos of life and what you get out of that, which is objects that you really want, mm-hmm. you desire. It's a bummer when there's no, not really <clears throat> much chaos for people when they're mm. getting more and more isolated. But I guess there is chaos because it's just been probably projected on the... Yeah. And the chaos for group. me, the chaos is, is, the, is the dangerous chaos and it's the chaos of purity culture. It's the chaos of there's problem 
And if we only got rid of a certain type of people or a certain type of thinking or a certain type of this, then, <clears throat> then everything would be better. That's what ideology is. Ideology always renders antagonism contingent, renders it into an opposition that can be got rid of. Fantasy, if you directly, if you have a non-ideological fantasy, it means that you don't fall for that utopian virus. You don't think that, oh, if only I did X, Y, and Z and got rid of the antagonisms of life, got rid of this group of people and everything would be wonderful. You somehow are able to embrace the complexity of your situation, try and make a better world, but not falling for the idea of a pure world without without um, antagonism mm-hmm. <clears throat> because if you get a <clears throat> if you get a world by antagonism his, it's a world uh, he's fantasy. having to clear his throat right now because on a psychological <clears throat> level he is having difficulty uh getting this out yes <laughs> <That's very laughs> true. um yeah so on a if you get what you want without it's something getting again. in the way it's happening again yeah that's weird <laughs> <clears throat> It's either that or I'm just dying. Yeah, <laughs> you're just, yeah. Your final point is just to die. Just die. All on the podcast. You know what? It would do great for the ratings. Yeah, it would. Thank yeah, God. I think so. Um, but no, please. Yeah, I was listening. I was yeah. funny. Um, oh, yeah. I was just saying that, yeah, if you fantasize a perfection, if only I got to this, everything would be great. And you get that, then you no longer desire it. And it get you getting all sorts mm-hmm. of issues but if you maintain the fantasy i.e you always, you realize that lack and having are interconnected and you embrace them both in a chaosmos then you're going to be a healthier person that's a i love that i think that's a very good note to end on pete i really enjoyed that i don't have anything to add do you know i think no. you hit the nail on the head <laughs> i love the chaos chaosmos a chaosmos chaosmos in your accent, it definitely sounds cooler. Yeah. Chaos, chaos, chaosmos. Yeah. Chaosmos. Chaosmos. I feel like I'm playing movie, movie game. <laughs> uh, yeah. That How's is... movie, movie game going, by the way? Great, man. Um, Joe's just finished up. I'm making my way through the grammar. He's finished up all the prompts, and we're very excited about it. It's uh, going to be super fun, and we're going to get start getting um, samples in the next month and start to figure out how it looks, and then... Fantastic. Go from there. It's available for uh, for pre order, folks. Sponsored, fundamentalist sponsored by. Brought to you by the Valley Folks Movie Movie, movie, movie. Coming yeah. soon. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I love this. I think this is wonderful. I think this is a great podcast. I, I wish I had more to add, but <clears throat> I feel like you brought your A game here, Pete. Because oh, so. it's 8 30 in the morning. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, that's very good. Please let us know what you guys think down in the comments below if you're watching this at youtube.com slash Morgan or. You can just tweet at us. You can do whatever you want. Uh, Twitter.com slash Peter Rollins. Twitter.com slash Elliot C. Morgan. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Peter Rollins on Instagram. Elliot Morgan on Instagram. You get the idea yeah, of yeah. it. Uh, hope you're doing very well. And do you have any final thoughts? Anything to add on fantasy? No, I'm good. I'm good. Any thoughts for you? I feel pretty good about it. I wish I'd have brought more of um I'll fantasize about the idea that I had brought really my A game here. But I think we hit a lot of good points. I think... The idea of purity culture is very real. Maintaining fantasy, the the, the grayness associated with it. I love the, um, in, what is it, the imperative? The oh, the imperative, categorical imperative. Categorical imperative, yeah. um, and the intertwining of lack and having is, I think, uh, on every level, a wonderful 
concept to keep in mind. I mean, it is literally your, your it's what the core of this podcast is largely about, which is contradiction and yeah. that kind of internal thing that you can't really escape. And if you can accept that, that you can go through life in a much healthier way. I mean, that's why people go out for, you know, if date nights, fine dining, all of that is you kind of have to have, and don't go straight to sex because in one sense, what makes the sex more interesting is the not having it and, and the, and the, the rituals are, and that then makes it really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So, Again, date night is about a type of intertwining of lack and excess, of having and not having. And, um, you know, we have to somehow weave those together in our lives um, uh, to kind of live healthier, more rich lives, not happier lives, because happiness is a, is a terrible category, um, but more kind of a meaningful type of life. Yeah, we should do another episode on happiness. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Because it's exhausting. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right, thank, thank you very you. much.